Greetings, my friend. Welcome to the Secret Shop. Hello and welcome to the Secret Shop podcast. I'm your host, Simon, and with me as always is Kiwi. Hello, hey. Kiwi. And also my other co-host, Anger. How are you doing Hello. tonight? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Also great. Amazing. Because we've had another Moon Day post on Easter Monday because he has risen. <laughs> Artifact has risen from the dead and we are all part of that church now, I suppose. Have you guys caught the little Easter egg, by the way? Um, in the, the, in the, the gnome? Oh, on the creeps? Uh, oh, yeah, on the creeps. The creeps are all holding a little gnome, which is featured usually in the Half-Life series as well as uh, Left 4 Dead. But what does that have to do with Easter? It's an Easter egg. It's literally a little surprise. What does gnomes have to us. do with Easter? Or Easter eggs. An Easter egg is just anything it's nowadays just any... in games that is hidden. You know, it's, it's a just a surprise. little surprise. Yeah, but why is it a gnome and not like a bunny because or a chicken? Because the gnome, by the way, yeah, can you just it... say that three don't more just times, call please? It a gnome. He has a name, okay? <laughs> gnome it's Chomsky. A gnome. It's a gnome. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much, Kiwi. It's Gnome Chomsky. <laughs> All the Val fans know this. Don't you gnome anything, Anger? <laughs> Damn, calling her out like that. They actually put Noam Chomsky into uh, Half-Life Alex as well. And that is especially a bitch to handle throughout the entire game. Because you have to physically hold the gnome the whole time and carry it from room to room throughout the entire game. That is a real hassle. So it has nothing to do with, like, Jesus or anything? No, no. Je it's no. not a reference to anything. It's just no. there's I'm, a little I'm surprise that gnomes, for us. Gnomes are not dogmatic in the Christian religion. Last time I checked. Who are you to tell them what to believe in? Damn. Damn. My Fighting poor, Catholic, my poor Happy... Catholic heart is getting all the guilt right now. <laughs> as it Happy should. Easter. <laughs> Happy Easter, everyone. Happy exactly. Easter. But just like all the dolphins are returning to Italy... Content is returning to r slash artifacts. Isn't that wonderful? That's great. Like, there's tons of artwork again. There's like actual content, like people are animating cards again. It's wonderful. So that's what I've been focused on this last week. Anything you guys would like to share over the last week? Nothing in particular comes to mind. Just more being patient. Yeah. And our patience has been rewarded with a new blog post titled The Deployment Deep Dive. I'm so happy I got this pop filter. The Deployment Deep Dive <laughs> is a very technical post. So here's just a little warning to our audio-only listeners. This gets a little technical. We are going to try and describe and cover and summarize all these rules in a concise fashion so even if you haven't read the blog post yet you'll be able to listen along but otherwise 
The blog post we're discussing is going to be in the description of this podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see all the visual aids that you need anyway. So welcome either way. Valve opened this blog post with a few good news and bad news. But I just love how they're just complimenting us on all the feedback that the community has been sending them. And I'm actually surprised that they note that most of it has been high quality feedback. Do you think that's true? I doubt it. <laughs> There's no way. No. I'm so proud of this community. <laughs> um, no, I actually buy it, honestly. Because like, if you look at the sub and uh, other forums and the discords and so on, like at least when you look at the average, most discussions are actually fairly high quality. Like people really think about the game. And For sure. like and remember, like not all high quality uh feedback is actually coming from the contributions themselves or what they think they are saying. Sometimes it's high quality feedback because of what they are able to extract from uh, the fan base's ramblings, after mm. all. I mean, even if somebody writes in, this stuff is bullshit, you are making everything easier, you needed to do a big overhaul, not these small tweaks, that just tells them that some people, you know, are very emotional about the game. Maybe they're underestimating the extent of uh, the overhaul. A lot of the... Um... Negative comments have been being responded to with like actual very direct and sorry, just rational discussion. Um, I've seen lots of people's negative views just being not shut down, but addressed and saying, hey, just wait, have a look. I don't know. It seems very rational from the community as a whole. It's nice to see mm -hmm. a complete 180 from, say, a year ago. Yeah, I have definitely seen a lot of people trying to discourage what they describe to be like negative or negativity. Um, but a lot of people are also trying to avoid a yes man uh, mentality where everyone's just like, oh my god, Valve is back, just agree with everything. Obviously, that's not what anybody is seriously advocating for. We're just trying to be serious in our feedback. Yeah. So let's actually cut the chit chat just like they do and start with the deployment deep dive. They start out saying right away that um, the deployment phase and the flop were basically the first heavy RNG components that all players faced. And let's be honest, when it comes to like casual players and those who get easily frustrated such as me a lot of people literally quit after the flop like if they're facing like that typical rushdown black deck and they just get that perfect flop where Sola and uh, bounty hunter are hitting the tower and pa is killing one of their heroes a lot of people just this game's a wash and just quit so i would like to Take this to you, Kiwi, because once again, you're like the most knowledgeable of us when it comes to like the actual deep game. How important 
is the flop really an artifact 1.0 it's not very important at all it is there's a few decks where it can be important um so i actually started doing a thing on my stream where i would look at each matchup in all three lanes and um see if it was a favorable outcome or an unfavorable outcome or an even outcome so um like say my green hero lines up with a black hero that's going to kill me i would call that the bad outcome and if i dodged it that would be the good outcome and so i started looking at it at the start of every game and mm -hmm. um very rarely do you have a flop where it's three bad outcomes if you're comparing each one and whereas before people or like people it's very easy to focus on oh my hero's dying here that's such a bad thing but if you look at the other two it kind of evens out and occasionally if i did get three bad matchups then i just say okay i'm not going to stress about this game or feel bad about it in four turns when the game is very difficult um we won't pay attention to that and it just became apparent how small of an impact it was it feels mm. very bad on the first turn which is a big issue yeah but um like your heroes dying means they can come back and go elsewhere and you can dictate how the game goes from there um in decks such as mono blue you actually want your heroes to die so that you're cycling them and you have them redeploying and so these are things that are not intuitive initially so people that leave after the flop a bad flop it's very um uh it's very much a rookie mistake and lacking understanding of the game um a deck that it does matter for is black sometimes games can snowball when they get yeah. a track killer two on turn one and that's just gonna happen sometimes and with mono black being in the meta at the moment it's pretty disgusting um but sometimes you still win games when you're behind 50 gold or 100 gold and um it's easy for it to feel worse than it actually is. Right. I think it's also Swellsong's um, Meepo Magic deck that is also very dependent on, like, actually getting your heroes killed at the right time. Right, because he cycles with Omex Arena and is intentionally killing his heroes. Yeah, I've always loved watching that deck. It's so fun to watch. It's such a treat. It is. But it looks like everything about the flop is about to change because we are getting all the control about where to deploy our heroes in the future. But first of all, let's actually look at what they've done with the board because that's actually just interesting in and of itself. First of all, we're keeping our three lanes that has always been like part of artifact identity. We've known we would keep the three lanes. However, they have reduced the tower's HP to 30 HP. But they do say that there will be other modes of play which will affect the overall health of your towers as well. What's your opinion on this? What will this do to the game? Likely um, draft may have lower health on towers we knew that how tower health would be changing because the stats were changing across yeah. the board um so that was expected um it's nice to hear that there's going to be multiple different game modes like we know of three currently but um i really hope that the the future of artifact has 
many various types of gameplay. Um, mm. the The five slots is very interesting. Uh, we've had some indication from Tyler that there will be ways to make this bigger, and he's been pretty on point about this stuff. So um, we expect that. It's mm -hmm. um, yeah. I won't go too into it yet. Enga, do you have any expectations when it comes to additional game modes in Artifact? Mm, I really hope that uh, what they've been doing in Underlords has been like practicing for Artifact. So like having, um, I can't remember what it was called, but I think Tyler Not once found a name for like a turbo game mode in Artifact, like in the game files or something. Maybe I'm making that up, but something similar to Knockout. Maybe right. it was just called Turbo. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think I think they did work on like a faster game mode even back in the day, like a year ago. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had something akin to Knockout, something just a faster mode that perhaps would be suitable for mobile gaming. Yeah, and and also like the old uh, puzzles that were were found, yeah. um, which was really fun to see like the different creeps from like the different factions that's also something i hope that they emphasize more on the different factions like the vools and the oglodies yeah. like having those like as a distinct different family of units yeah i want that flavor and yeah. i do hope that they i don't know like perhaps they will one day introduce these kinds of um keywords Right, because many other CCG and TCGs have these, you know, um, racial uh, keywords. I don't know how else to call them. Like familial, like families. Thank you, thank you. Much more, um, much more politically correct. I'm sorry, my German is showing. <laughs> um, yeah, something where it's like this is an Oglody card. Uh, this effect affects all Oglody, or, you know, same with Grievals and Smeevils and so on. Mm. I think that would be cool. And I do see some potential for other mechanics later down the line. There is now a limit to how many units can be on a board. They have limited it to five slots. Mm. Which, honestly, like, so far, this seems to me like the... Um, biggest compromise thus far because this is like one of those things that used to be um part of artifact identity like that's actually something that richard garfield talked about a lot back then he's like i wanted to make a digital card game because that means having it limitless mm. you can have as many units on the board as you like you can have as many improvements as you like or uh, as many cards in your hand as you like, and so on. Like, this limitless play was, at the time, part of Artifact's identity, and I'm actually, I'm not surprised or, uh, I'm not disappointed about this, because I'm sure that they'll make use of it, but I was surprised that they basically abandoned the idea of endless boards and limited to five. It is a big change, and this seems to be the most polarizing change that we've seen so far. Like, people are very split on how they feel about it. Um, and I think there will be more information to address this. But mm -hmm. some people have brought up really interesting points about 
um, potentially creeps will be stackable or things like that. Like there seems mm-hmm. to be many solutions to this and it's not as black and white as we see so far. They've just shown yeah. us that the base is that there are five slots and five slots doesn't necessarily mean five creeps. Wait, how can exactly. it be stacked if... Because they described that if you put a creep onto a creep, it destroys it or whatever. Or right. yeah, let's it actually, or whatever. How would let's they actually quickly, yeah, Let's quickly cover those rules and then explain uh, what Kiwi means by stackable. I'm, I assume you're talking about specific token creatures. Yes, more likely. We'll get to that. So first of all, let's talk about how uh, this works. Because... At first, you would think this is very limiting and very simplistic to only have five creatures uh, or five units on the board, but they are actually describing a couple deployment rules which prevent board lock. So we won't run into a situation where, damn, I already have five creatures on the board, that damn low-value creep is blocking me from playing something. That's actually not going to be the case in Artifact 2.0. Instead, you can always play a unit in any spot, even if it's already taken. What's going to happen, though, is that generally, I'm going to try to uh, summarize this, generally, if you play a unit on top of another unit, the older unit is destroyed. If you play a creep on a creep, that creep is destroyed. If you play a creep on a hero, that hero is killed. But there's one... Yeah, yeah, it says... uh, I thought heroes are always bounced, or is that only if heroes... only when you play a hero on top of a hero. Oh, so if you put a creep, it's killed? Yeah, that's what it says in the rules further down in the blog post. I I had that same point Mm -hmm. of confusion earlier as well, but it looks like if you play a creep on top of a hero, that hero is killed. That makes more sense. Exactly, it will skip around... Then so you can only be displacing your heroes in the deployment phase and not during the play phase. Yeah. And also, like, you would be able to literally play a chump blocker for a free save. Uh, tele- yeah, for a free save. Okay. Right? That would be that very abusable. So it's only when you play a hero on top of a hero that that older hero is bounced back to the fountain for deployment in the next round. They don't even sit one out. So this is what I personally would like to dub the tag-in mechanic. Well, so they're sitting out that round because you have to do... To bounce your hero out, you're doing it in that deploy phase, so the hero is still essentially missing an entire round. Very good point, yeah. So yeah, this is what I would call the tag-in mechanic, where you can basically replace one hero with another and then deploy that old hero in the following round. What do you think about this, Anger? I really like it. I think it it brings a whole new aspect to the game where if a hero is low, you can, like, heal it by by taking it, like, kind of like a TP scroll. So Mm -hmm. I I like that it it gives more more depth to the game that way. But I don't know, it's, it's difficult to say too much without actually playing i think yeah once again we're lacking context here as always but we're getting more and more some gaps are being filled i'm not sure how i feel about we're gonna get to like the creep deployment like that mm-hmm. I, I i really like the the bouncing mechanic but i 
much less like the whole creep deployment. Are you going to talk about that first? Like how the creep deployment works? Different, like the neutral creeps? Go ahead. I think if you like to uh, talk about that now, we can talk about that now. Okay. Like how they all go to the left each time and always face each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's i don't know how to explain it like i think it's just a bit weird that they're always just gonna face each other all the way to the left and always like block each other and i don't know i, f I feel like when they're already doing it in the way where you can choose where the heroes go and wherever and and nothing is is random anymore why not also be able to choose where the creep goes in well, each actually room? what they uh, say it's not like they'll always face each other actually because the uh the exact wording is they will be they will always de be deployed in the leftmost possible spot mm, yeah, so what we see here will only really happen in the very first deployment phase so yeah what we see here will always be the case in the first deployment phase in that first round of the game but after that no more after that it's for every side for every board the leftmost spot that is still available. If there isn't one available, I would guess that no creep will spawn there, for example. Or if all sp four spots to the left are used up, the creep is going to spawn to the right. Mm. So they're not going to automatically be facing each other. I just don't but. see a good reason for why you shouldn't be able to choose where the creep goes. But, uh, maybe more maybe that's overcomplicating it and that having having a base system in place and then you taking your time to deploy the heroes is more important yeah, also yeah, like true. in dota you don't choose where your creeps go they kind of just go yeah so that is true. similar to that i was gonna say part of uh initially it just looks like oh you'll just trade a creep each round and get three gold each round for one we don't know if you'll still get a gold from creeps trading mm. but likely but um it's not that straightforward at all because colors that manipulate the creeps like blue removing them or green buffing them um will be able to utilize it more consistently um knowing that you're gonna have creeps and being able to build on that rather than having the luck of oh i got two creeps in my green lane and i got to play arm the rebellion on first lane on four creeps and just winning from that or something yeah and in the end they're just filler they're just one one chump blockers that are automatically deployed at the beginning of every round and in the end if you're like as we just covered if it's like covering a spot that you want to use for a more high value unit or even, you know, then you can just replace that creep now. You can just put something on top of that creep, it will be destroyed and uh, replaced with whichever unit you preferred. What do you think happens if you already have five creeps and then there's the deployment space? Does it just not deploy or does it... That's what I would guess. Would be my expectation too. Yeah. But I feel and like that's going to be fairly unlikely unless you're much stronger in a lane and have some sort of green improvement going or something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I think there is still a chance that there will be some cards or maybe a hero that will break this particular rule. For example, Kana and Prelex are all about creep deployment, right? Mm -hmm. So it would be weird. And I think that's like part of their identity. So I think in some way they will retain that creep deployment identity in whichever way that is changed. Or they won't exist. What's more likely? I expect they have an interesting mechanic. Are you implying? Are, are, are you implying? Trellix is my bay. Don't you worry about it. I am. Nobody All likes right. Prelex more than me. Well, right. Kana is garbage. Get her out of here. What? Kana's my girl. Oh, How dare you God. speak that way of my favorite she, e girl? She's cute, but she's obnoxious to play I'm against. I'm Kana's biggest simp. Okay, so don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. I will defend her to my grave. Oh my God. I can't believe we're having this waifu war right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I want no part of this. Wow. I just, I just, I just want... You're not going to join in with who your favorite... Are you a filthy centrist? Ooh. What can I say? I just want a little family reunion. What can <laughs> I say? Those, those are some strong genes in that family. I wonder if they'll ever introduce uh, Kana's father. What if Kana's father's literally the Radiant? Weird. He's OD. Or it's OD. He adopted her. Oh my really? god, don't. Yeah. What? <laughs> or no. he's planning to or something. I can't remember. <laughs> no, he wants to like slip in there and be her, you know, her advisor and eventually her master. That's like... is, is That is, it, is not is where it, I saw that going. Is it father or is it daddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's where my mind went to. Of course it did. Wow. <laughs> wow, so where we were going with this actually is that um Kiwi was talking about a potential for a token mechanic, meaning that there might be certain kinds of units which can stack on top of each other. Oh, I so for example, Kana's a... uh, dogs are like a special exactly. kind? Mm. For Possibly. example. Because, and it's actually funny because uh, the whole limitless unit thing was actually one of the few things being advertised in Artifact's only trailer. Mm. If you remember, it actually ends with uh, Kana spawning uh, tons of dogs, and that's like the climax of the whole thing along with Annihilation. Perhaps they will introduce some kind of uh, token thing or for Venomancer's daughters and so on. But from creeps, let's actually move on to the real meat of this blog post, which is hero deployment and how they've changed that. I love it. I love that yeah. there's the off lane and safe lane. I love that. Yeah, and it's not just for uh, kicks and giggles it actually makes sense why they're called the safe lane and the off lane like yeah. in the gameplay of artifact 2.0 so let's get back let's get into that um i'm gonna try to summarize it if i do a bad job i invite anybody to just check uh the blog post because they really go in depth with this because they have a very specific example of two players deploying these uh, heroes in the first round. And it is quite impressive. But let me try to summarize it. 
At first, both players choose one of their three first heroes to go into the mid lane. And they get the freedom of choosing any of those uh, spots, basically. Except for the leftmost creep, I suppose. But it is also possible that even in this deployment mode, it is allowed to destroy one of the creeps and replaces, replace it with that hero. But perhaps... um, It's only the middle three spots in the lane for deployment. Really? Yeah, you can't be on the side just for the first initial deployment. Interesting. I must have missed that. Very good eye. So, and next, you choose your off lane, by which they mean you uh, choose either the first or the third lane, depending on which, on which side of the board you play. And it is called the off lane because the hero deployment after that is when the player switch sides, so to say, and deploy in the first and third lane again, but swapped. So now they already know what hero their hero they're about to deploy will be facing, which makes them the safe lane. And you can dodge your opponent's your off exactly. your opponent's off lane placement. Yeah. The off lane is called the off lane because it's the more riskier one, because the opponent can react to it, and the safe lane is called the safe lane because you get to react to the opponent. I really just love how they were able to work this kind of uh, Dota 2 gameplay and strategy into Artifact 2.0. And use I'm, the same terms. I really love it. I'm not even sure they did it to work it in. I think it was probably just the easiest way for them to explain it, based yeah. on their audience having some experience in the Dota universe. Do you think they have like an idiot as Valve that they use to like make these graphs to make it as comprehensible as possible to? Because I feel like this was made for me, like even just the font and everything. Like I feel like they have made it so simple and nice. Like they did such a great job on it. And when it comes to the um, fourth and fifth hero, those you can deploy uh, in any lane and in any spot that isn't preoccupied, I suppose. We no, you can put it covered. Exactly. You can put it you anywhere you can. want. Total freedom. Amazing. What was your guys' reaction to this when you read this? That the flop as it was will no longer exist and we get this cool, full freedom, decision-making strategy and even a bit of like, you can do a bait and switch, right? You can try and deploy in a way that... Uh, will make your opponent deploy a certain hero in a lane where it's maybe less valuable in order to counter you, and then you do the bait and switch. I, I really like it, even though my mind has... If you had asked me over a year ago, I, I would have loved it even more, but like now, especially because Kiwi made me realize, you know, what you said earlier, with, for example, Mono Blue, if you have a bad flop, you come back later with more heroes. I, I like I, I see the charm in that now and like how that makes the game gameplay better and, and losing heroes early doesn't really matter that more. But I, I still think this like trumps that. This is just cooler. And I I love that you can control so much more of what happens and you can't really be angry if something bad happens then. Yeah. 
I think that aspect of it will still be relevant. That That's not going to change. You just have more control over when that happens. Yeah. So being able to make those decisions and get value from them will still be a thing. Um, my brain is hurting already from, like, seeing all the mind games of this. For one, the possibilities. giving players agency is amazing, mostly just because of how much it frustrated everybody initially. Um, but this looks wonderful for both for new players and for the top end of players as well. Your first deployment is a rock, paper, scissors, and mm. you're going to play differently against different opponents or how good you think your opponents are. Um, being able to pick wherever you go later and it be a specific spot that your opponent can think about where your specific spot is going to be. Before, we would just think about, oh, which lane is my opponent going to go in? Mm. Here, you add another whole level to that. Say you have a squishy hero that they're going to kill with their turn two deployment, like with their fourth hero, you can choose to bounce it out with your turn four, and as you said, do the bait and switch, but maybe they go a level deeper and they just dodge it entirely and then you've wasted a unit for a whole round. The depth of this is going to get ridiculous really quickly and yeah. I'm excited and terrified simultaneously. Yeah. I am four parallel universes ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, or, definitely. or like if you're playing against a newer player, then you're like, okay, I know what the obvious decision they're going to make is and you play around that. But if you're playing against a good player, then you, you go a couple levels deeper and you're just dodging them back and forth. It's... Yeah. um. It's going to get exciting. It's just amazing how they've managed to basically come up with a system which adds this kind of depth. I think this basically assuages any fears people might have had that they're just going to make artifacts simpler rather than more accessible. Because this is uh, like the perfect example of something which is as you said accessible to new players who just go, oh I guess I put uh, one of my guys here. And then the more experienced ones just see all these thousands of uh, possibilities going forward. And this actually has ramifications all the way down to deck building, if you think about it. Because when it, uh, the first, I'm still going to call it the flop, like the, the first deployment is still about those first three heroes that you have designated as the first three heroes in your deck. This is how it is worded here, at least. So I assume that we have... Uh, we're keeping this kind of uh, mechanic where we decide first three, then fourth and fifth. And now that we have this newfound flexibility in the first deployment to choose any of those three heroes to go into the mid and then into the uh, safe and off lane, like you will have to think about that when you build your deck already, correct? I mean, you always had to, but yes, it, yeah. it will have an enormous impact on it. It makes their stat lines look a lot more, have a lot more sense now. We're seeing some reasons why, potentially why they're adjusting the stats mm -hmm. and not just adjusting them, but scaling them. Because if you could choose to put Bristle in front of a hero and he had eight attack and just kill it on turn one, it gets real weird. The balance is looking a lot better. Yeah. Speaking of balance and changes, Let's actually look at the heroes that they're using in this blog post. First, they'll, uh, they're using Wraith King and Mirana that they showed off in uh, the previous post. But they're also showing off four of the 
existing heroes and artifact 1.0 completely changed stat line changed and all of their abilities are changed and not only that they're actually trying to show off something very specific here with their choice of heroes because all of these four heroes that have been reworked now have abilities where deployment and positioning matters a lot so let's just look at these one by one Tree and Protector, still a green hero, now 2 attack, 7 health, and his branches of iron are now a continuous effect, an aura, which uh, gives allies up to 2 slots away, 2 armor. And all we know about armor right now is that it did change, but we don't know What do you how think the changed. new armor is going to be? So at the end of the blog post, it says that armor has been changed, Yeah. Um, but we don't know more than that. My personal prediction was that um, magic may be piercing, or that it ignores armor, just as it does in Dota, how armor is mm. not affecting magic damage spells. Oh. Uh, but that's one, that's just one theory. I'm, I've seen two or three other great theories. That are then what about something like Berserker's Call? Would that, yeah, that's still physical. That's a physical. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah because it forces combat. Mm. Um. Something that it says in Trent's arm aura is that two slots away in this lane, it specifies, which is um, another indicator that there, there will be cross lane effects mm -hmm. and possibly that the ends of each lane will be linked in some cases, which is interesting. Yeah. It's, in, it's saying that if you're near the edge of a lane, or if you're in the second and the fourth spot, it's two slots away but it doesn't go over to the next lane and they wouldn't have to specify that if the lanes were not being connected oh, so it somewhere. could be like five spots for example like instead yeah of like just five spots over would yeah. be as we'll see when we get to timber right since we've mentioned it oh, we yeah. might as well since we mentioned it we might as well jump to timbersaw who is still a red hero now with four attack one armor and six health and his reactive armor which was always a little boring has been replaced with timber chain an active ability with a cooldown of three rounds which costs one mana to cast and it says move timber saw up to five slots away deal one damage to each enemy passed on the way and yeah now that we've seen roof trellens ability specify that it only matters in the lane that he is deployed in this does sound like timber chain might actually enable timber saw to travel from one lane to the next it definitely does first of all um it wouldn't say five because yeah four spots away would be within the lane but also um eric tams posted on reddit clarifying if the wording was um ambiguous and clarified that it is cross lane Oh. Exactly. Which is super exciting. It is. This is just another example of movement being a much bigger thing in Artifact 2.0 than it was in 1.0. Also, he's just going to clean up any creeps on the way, for example, because yeah. those are now only 1-1s. So, for both of those already, positioning matters, deployment matters, and so it is with this next hero, which is Bounty Hunter. Still a black hero, four attack, four health. Fucking hate his... Bounty Hunter. Well, yeah. I still do. <laughs> this hasn't redeemed him. 
Oya still hasn't renamed him. He was still like one of the most hated heroes in Artifact 1.0 because he was one of two coin toss heroes where he just got randomly uh, damaged at the beginning of the uh, laning phase or hitting your tower or hitting your hero and just randomly uh, gets extra damage, but no longer. Now it is all about deployment. His new reactive ability is Track. Bounty Hunter deals plus three damage when attacking tracked heroes. Deploy. Deploy effect is Track Bounty Hunter's target if it's a hero. And as before, tracked units have plus five oh, bounty. Oh, it's specified plus five bounty. Oh, well. Yeah, it's not 15. Okay. Yeah. This looks a lot more balanced because mm. the bonus damage, it's obvious when it's there, and it's mm. not there if you're doing things like gank for a cross lane, or mm. it's not gonna hit a tower for seven. And so bounty is has a much more specific role and purpose. His yeah. goal is to gain gold, and he can do that consistently. We don't know what his ability is yet, or his um, Signature card. Although yeah. signature cards could be seeing some change. They could be seeing some change, but given his new synergy with tracked units, I would be surprised if it wasn't still tracked. Oh, you think you would be able to double day? I know, oh. but... um. I think that you will be able to track other heroes without having to deploy Bounty Hunter in front of them. Well, other we may not have forced cards in decks. Like, you may not have three auto-include. We don't know yeah. if, if that will be changing as well. But we saw Wraith King and Marana had signature cards. They so have them, but we don't know. Yeah. We don't know if the rules for deck building has changed. If you are forced to include three of them. They have to include, they, they can't remove that. I personally agree with you, but it's definitely something that Valve is perhaps ready to change because Eric Tams actually asked Reddit, or rather he just allowed the uh, emailer to post it on Reddit, which was a question about which specific cards in Artifact 1.0 would you rather see as a one or two of? Or maybe even remove them entirely? Which ones are like a liability to you? Like, Valve is definitely interested in hearing people's opinions on this. Because some people have a curiously negative opinion of signature cards. Hmm. I personally always liked them. I always liked this, you know, this trio of balance between the body of a hero, their ability, and the signature card. I always thought this was a very smart way of uh, balancing heroes. So I personally would be sad to see this go because I always liked what it does to deck building and to the identity of heroes. It gives them multiple different reasons why you would include them in a deck. And yeah, I really like that. Yeah. But once again, this is one of those freedom questions because some people really don't like the idea of having to include three of a card that they may not personally like in their deck, even though they want the body and the uh, ability of the hero. But yeah, currently, that's like the deal, right? If you want Bristle back, you gotta have uh, Viscous Nasal Goo currently. Speaking of Bristleback, 
Let's actually look at what they did to my boy. Oh, I love him. Yeah. I love the chain. Bristleback, still a red hero, four attack, five health. And he now has two abilities. One of them being his namesake, Bristleback. It's a reactive ability, saying, When Bristleback takes damage outside of combat, reduce that damage to one, then activate Quill Spray. What's Quill Spray? His second ability which is usually an active ability, but can be triggered reactively with his other passive. But usually it's an active ability with a cooldown of three rounds and costs one mana. And it says, deal one combat damage to adjacent enemies. So I already see wonderful synergies here where you will cast spells on your own bristleback in order to have it cast some free quill sprays for you. That could be interesting. Yeah, so out of combat damage is going to refer to magic damage or upkeep damage. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily magic damage, but just spell damage. Um, his stat line is very different now. Like comparing him to Timber, he's much squishier than Timber saw, which is... yeah unique but not being able to damage him is interesting also imagine if he keeps his original spell of minusing armor then quill spray will be amplified yeah so anger you said you love him i really love that because you said like he's squishier than timbersaw but with his ability you can't kill him pretty much i, I wonder with things like annihilation and stuff that, that has would, to still i mean kill him that would still theoretically be a kill it yeah. says it's only specific to damage. Yeah. Things like Annihilation that don't do damage. But it's like, you will completely cook a lane where people want to use, like, spells that affect multiple units. Because if they do, like, you will just completely destroy their units. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. Chain Frost is going to be really sad against him. Assassinate won't work on him. Things yeah. like that. Yeah. So he's actually really tanky. Things like gank and duel and axe's call would still be combat damage, but pretty much everything else I can think of would be reduced, except for kill things. I think yeah. it's kind of weird that they have such a long cooldown, or that they even have a cooldown on Quill Spray, that it's not just a reactive ability, because I feel like it's kind of weird having it as an active when, I don't know, I imagine it's maybe popping out reactively quite often. I don't know. It's so difficult to say without actually seeing it in play. I think it, well, it can pop out reactively as often as you want, but then you have some agency over when you can use it as well. Or if you have initiative, then you can use it to upkeep kill or mm. things like that. Yeah. Or just clearing creeps so you hit tower. Yeah. Do you think in... we're going to see more heroes with two abilities? Definitely. Yeah. Although his have a lot of synergy between them. So I would be surprised if it was, like, I think it will still be a minority of the pool, mm. right? His are, his are almost one ability. It's just split up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it still gives you a little bit of flexibility to keep Quill Spray as an active ability as well. I mean, that's still, like, damage to, uh, it looks like, three enemies for one mana. It would clear, it would completely clear out uh, creeps as well. Once again, those are only 1-1s one now. I'm really liking the mana cost on abilities um, yeah. as a way to balance them as well. 
It will exactly. get interesting for deck building to lining up the cooldowns with what you want to be playing on certain turns. That is definitely a very exciting prospect. It almost adds like a another level to the way that you can balance heroes, just make their abilities a little more expensive perhaps. But so far, we have only seen abilities cost one mana, I believe. Mm -hmm. But that also keeps them, you know, available for casting. That is very cool. And then we've seen Marana already. Yeah, we've seen Marana and Wraith King already. Timbersaw hates trees, and his timber chain is not going to kill creeps if there's a tree in the lane. <laughs> ah, Assuming armor works that way. Yeah. I do Man, wonder I'm about so, armor. That annoys me so much not knowing what armor does. I can't mm. stop thinking about it. It's a little teaser for next week. They got you. You're the sucker yeah. that they got. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> These posts are made for me. They probably have an idiot just like me there, just to know how to bait people like me. Truly be nicer to yourself. <laughs> so, one more thing to add that I'm potentially concerned about is the lopsidedness of if you are the person deploying in first lane or in third lane first, because we're still not sure if all three lanes are resolving simultaneously or not mm -hmm. and that could definitely be a large advantage or disadvantage depending which side you're given to begin with right so that's interesting oh. to see how that will play out so dire or radiant favor like being on precisely um. interesting it is fair because you have an equal chance but if you get if it does end up being impactful and you get the bad position multiple times, it could be frustrating. Right, but this would only be the case if all lanes didn't resolve simultaneously. For sure. It would only matter that way. Right. So let's hope that they do. This would definitely keep uh, gameplay and strategies very open and remove a lot of what made the flop so bad. I don't think it would be a bad thing for them to have lanes resolve simultaneously. You would have many more ties and like trying to tie mm. the game when you're losing but that's not necessarily a bad thing at all to right. have a medium outcome it could be worse for tournaments um where well ties aren't even bad in tournaments mm -hmm. it adds variance to scores over a long number of them yeah very cool and actually, just one more point that I wanted to make about those new uh, deployment rules, especially the hero tag in thing, where you can replace one hero with another in deployment, is that you can now actually save heroes from an upkeep kill at the beginning of the round. Mm. For sure. Uh, we'll see how upkeep damage works or if it's different. With the health scaling, it would not surprise me if, like, Ogre would have to be balanced very differently for Ignite to still exist. Mm. Right. Now, I would actually like to talk about potential futures for Artifact as well. And for that, I would like to take a look at what people have found in the recent Underlords update. Because it looks like Valve is actually looking to... Uh, build even more modes even for single player for underlords 
and we may see something similar in Artifact one day. They recently released the Retake the City update, which allows you to basically prestige your city crawl, reset it and have some more difficult encounters and more titles and so on in the future. I'm actually very close to that. How about you guys? Like, are you getting close to uh, finishing the city crawl or have you already hit your first prestige? I'm three I, games away from finishing. I pressed my prestige button and then didn't have the heart to start it again because once I start, I'll have to do it again. <laughs> and I think uh, it's bothering me that in your profile it says how far you are in the city crawl and it looks like there's you can prestige five or six times by the looks Ooh. of it which is uh, uh do you know do keys if, if you save keys from the first city yeah. crawl do they yeah they nice carry over. i saved all of mine so i will still have <laughs> the yeah. keys when that's I reset. what i'm doing as well oh my god min maxing the city crawl <laughs> there we go i'm very close as well as you know i've already finished a uh, joel i'm only one savage quest away from finishing an Essex. And yeah, overall, I only have six uh, missions left. I'm very close to it as well. So I want to do that as soon as I get over my uh, rage-filled hang-ups. Because I'm a baby man, I suppose. I can't finish the Anno Insect Alliance. You're supposed to win like a crazy amount of games with the Insect Alliance. Who the fuck That's plays what... Insect Alliance? Oh, insects are the for. best alliance. No, oh, yeah? they suck. Oh, they just suck. They're really good early. Broodmother? Nobody plays Broodmother. She's the worst. Her world. new three star is actually really strong. But oh, yes, yes, she's garbage. And thanking four bugs is just terrible. And it yeah. feels really bad. I've tried really hard to make it work. I think yeah, I've only won stars. one game with it in. Three star, you good. say. I see the duos player is coming through. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, they didn't do any changes to the other versions, but the three star one got buffed. It's just that three stars are at least at my level. Uh, you if you only play get knockout, like one or two. It's a thing in knockout as well. Yeah, but not yeah, standard, obviously. of course. But what people have been finding in it is that they are look working on something that looks like a dungeon game mode like almost something akin to some roguelikes like slay the spire or something where you have different room types like shops mysteries mini games just standard combat or even mini bosses and bosses where you go from one room to the next recruiting more units for the future rooms and so on this was all data mined from the yeah. recent update this was all data mined like you would move into the next room and there you choose your underlord for choose your first unit set them up and so on and there's like a lot in the files about potential weekly puzzles and weekly challenges and rewards and so on they're really trying to hook people in with that constant engagement yeah these will be wonderful things to have an artifact. Exactly. Yeah. Like or imagine, variations of them. Yeah. Just imagine something akin to uh, Slay the Spire in Artifact and Underlords. That would be wonderful. Finally, a game as good as Slay the Spire, but with better art. Sorry I don't know. Our art right out. now is uh, competing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even, like, once again, about the content that has been coming out from the community, people are actually redrawing 
existing art <laughs> in the same like low quality uh ms paint style and i've been loving it i need to mod them in yeah they, f they forgot the temp art tag on all the art this week so people were saying that it's the real art <laughs> oh yeah that's oh my god that is really good i didn't even notice that that they didn't have the temp art stamp that's a very nice detail i would love that like i would love that if they included those as some kind of reward in the future we'll see and welcome back to the second half of our double episode i'm glad you could join us as you can tell this week we have slightly lower fidelity that's because i'm not in my usual recording place and um couple reasons for that we're going to dive right into the next blog post once we where we will talk about the mechanics that valve has revealed to us guys what was your reactions to this blog post are there any questions that are still open after this huge post i'm still really curious about the shop how they're gonna deal with that because I think right. in, in Tyler's artifact video, he talked about the bazaar and yeah. how you could buy consumables during the... like During the lane trend. phase, yeah. yeah. I'm also curious like if they're going to rework the way the secret shop work, works at all. I guess that they will, simply because everything they've done so far is to reduce any RNG that people have been complaining about. Mm like last week the flop this week the arrows which honestly is like literally one of the smart smallest parts of this blog post i thought that would be like a big deal but nobody's talking about arrows anymore everyone's just like oh yeah they're straight now that's cool mm. and just completely overwhelmed with everything else that this blog post is covering it was enormous they addressed so many issues that people had and address them well and in detail. This post, it didn't have the same format as the other ones where they start with the personal comments and stuff. It was very straight to the point and they covered a lot. Um, yeah. I don't, I mean, I still have some questions, but nothing specific. I'm just looking forward to playing. So let's just dive right in. The first thing they want to discuss with us is initiative which was one of Artifact's most innovative concepts. I mean, it was so good that a certain other game has basically uh, copied and adapted the idea recently, which is Rune Terror. It's still fairly similar to MTG's just how the stack works. Um, I don't right, know if you stack. can say it's brand new, but um, yeah, they did implement it very well, and it did look quite similar in Rune Terror. When it comes to initiative, not much has actually changed about the mechanic itself. Like, it's still about passing control over the next action from one player to the next. And we there's actually nothing new in this post that we haven't already figured out with the information they had provided in previous weeks. Like, we had already guessed that once two players pass, all lanes will basically resolve at the same time and it will go into the next round rather than just switching to the next lane. But what I found interesting is that they talk about initiative as like a big learning curve. For sure. Initiative was not immediately apparent how important it was. Um, the complexity of the game 
just being played across three lanes it's very easy to focus on what you can see and what you're looking at and not focusing on your next move or your move for four moves from now sort of yeah. thing and so um initiative not very important against lower skilled players and then the better you get the more important initiative became like there were definitely rounds where players would realize way too late that they have been screwed like when it comes to the end of the game for like several rounds already or like two rounds ahead because the other player has kept initiative uh, for the next round the whole time for sure and, and initiative was such a strong it had such strong impact that it wasn't immediately apparent what it was doing like all the initiative cards are weak like tidehunter is is not the best right. hero no. and but kraken shell is actually so so strong and like hipfire looks pretty good for an initiative card and so does chain frost but it looks like you're making yourself weaker or not necessarily using a card for initiative but just passing like you're missing an action sometimes you would pass with all of your mana to have initiative sometimes you'd pass with all of your mana in multiple lanes to have initiative and so there was always yeah. a sacrifice to have it and having to do that sacrifice was not immediately obvious what was your experience with init initiative anger like, have you always liked this mechanic, or was it uh, frustrating now and then? Uh, I definitely, it was like, like you said, very difficult for me in the start to learn, and I still struggle with it sometimes, when to hold initiative and, and you know, when to play. Like, sometimes, if you're in the last last lane, and it's mana five, and you just, you need to get the card out in the last lane, but then you know that they're going to have, like, a mana six spell in the first lane, so you can't. It's just, yeah. or sometimes if you don't even think about it, if you forget about it and you just play something less than and then, oh, fuck, shit, I should have held initiative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's still something that, that I struggle with a little bit. So what surprised me is that they are saying some players ignored initiative and others realized that it's like the main strategic concern. But the most surprising thing about what they say about initiative is that this disconnect between players like those who don't really care about the initiative don't under quite understand it, and those who are, uh, see how strong it really is, they think that this disconnect led to the communication breakdown that they saw in the community. What what was your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that this was like in the background, that this key point of understanding the game was where communications break apart in the community? I think you had to get pretty deep into the game to understand that. And so before then, you were just having all these scenarios where a bad thing would happen and you wouldn't understand why. And you didn't understand how you could impact it and affect it. Because of the steep learning curve, people were missing out on that. And that is in large part their fault. And so this is them taking some responsibility for that. They're yeah. also acknowledging that there is a disconnect in the community and that there's there's frankly chaos going on with yeah. people feeling very strongly about different aspects of the game and they're kind of saying hey everybody's experience is important equally and yeah. i think that's something that both sides are not acknowledging it's kind of really hard yeah. to see for me yeah and this is why they kind of put some pressure a little bit of impact off of the initiative mechanic and moved it over to mana 
Just one more point about initiative, like the get initiative cards now have a new keyword, which is quick. Uh, I actually heard that this is what get initiative was originally called, like way back, like two years ago in the beta. That's just uh, a little point that I heard before. So let's actually get to the mana. This is, I think, the single biggest reveal in this blog post, apart from one thing that we'll get to at the very end, but that's my preference. So, there's only one mana pool. Hot take? I like it. That's my hot take. <laughs> that is a hot take. That's so, <laughs> so brave, Anger. Um, <laughs> I think this is probably the one point that sticks out to everybody that I don't think anybody feels super comfortable about. This was what stuck out for me initially, too, that mm -hmm. I was concerned about. But what we're doing is we're comparing it to the current state of the game that we know, and that's yeah. not what Artifact 2 is going to look like. And so the pacing of the game is probably going to adjust with this. Having mana in only one lane, yes, it sounds really bad initially. It's like, okay, now we're like every other card game. It's not three lanes so much, but that's not... Like the the pacing will change. Turn turn eight won't be the second last turn of the game anymore. The impact from this will immediately balance cards like Time of Triumph, where if you want to do this overpowered um, action, there will be a recourse in that you can your opponent will have a chance to do many actions. Or yeah. on mana eight, you'll only be able to play that and won't be able to equip items or things like that. There there's no chance for reaction. So the game is going to take on a very different format of how we play it. And it's it's difficult to know what that will look like right now. But I I expect this won't be an issue at all. It just it sounds pretty scary right now. I wonder yeah. how it will affect card draw and, and start starting hand and stuff like that. Because with less yeah. mana, you're going to play less cards. Some people have predicted that the card draw will go down to one per turn and that wouldn't surprise mm -hmm. me i feel like it would just change change the game into we still think of the game as a as an eight or a nine turn game but it's um it could very easily be double that and so there's yeah. just more combat phases mm. exactly rounds themselves will be shorter but there will be way more of them which also means that we'll see more hero abilities being played like there used to be a time when you would only see one ravage a game basically like when are you gonna get off your second ravage right same that goes for sense. yeah same goes for lion's ability finger of death mm -hmm. like remember when it was buffed with quicken so it would do <laughs> one more damage or whatever for the next use and everyone's like when are you gonna use it a second time like maybe you'll get it off a second time but not a third time like you're not gonna get this uber powerful finger of death out of this game it's gonna and end before that that was only due to the timing do you think they'll yeah. change the keyword on finger to not be quicken so not to be confusing with quick? oh yeah <laughs> definitely it's, it's it's gonna be something like warm up or whatever every hero's changing we already know that like at least with the body and the abilities will all change in terms of what damage they do as well like we already see this that's like the, one of the most exciting parts like everything we know is about to change you say exciting i say terrifying yeah it's true i mean the whole three mana pool thing was one of artifacts most 
unique things in a way. Like I am sort of sad that many of artifacts, little eccentricities are being taken away. And sure. it does feel like, I'm not going to say generic, but I think you know what I'm getting at when I say that removing these things does make the game feel just a tiny bit less special and out there. But on the other hand, like what I find cool about these changes is that they have layers. Like it's never like Valve is not about just removing something. They always add something back. Just like limiting the amount of unit spots, you know, the deployment spots that you have in a lane. Like reducing it to five first sounds like wow, now we're like squishing artifacts so much, compressing everything. But then they introduce this whole this new deployment rule set, this tag-in mechanic between heroes, like they never leave something at just removing it. They always add a new layer to it. So artifact stays complex, but maybe more accessible. I think there is a lot of complexity being added and it, it will become apparent with time once we start playing. Um, on the surface, it looks like we're losing complexity, but I, I think, as you said, they have some interesting ways that it's being added in that we that aren't immediately obvious. Just one example being that every action now costs mana. This means that equipping items also costs mana. And this is actually something that uh, you saw on the Sheepstick card a couple uh, weeks back, Anger. Do you remember <laughs> that symbol in the corner? And yeah, we just I assumed that, that it was the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And it is. Now we know it is. Before no, we thought... There's an equip cost as well as a, yeah. as a mana cost. cost. So that cost up in the corner is most likely its mana equip cost. So you think it's going to be like that for all items? Most likely. But we'll see. Like, Because now you have this new level of balance as well. Now you can balance items, not just how much mana their ability costs, but also how much they cost to equip. I want to go backwards a little bit and just mention mm -hmm. something else about initiative. By there only being one lane, initiative seems like it's worse and less impactful. And it is, but um, the flip side of it is there will be certain time. There will be a lot of times where you want your opponent to have initiative, and so um, anti-initiative will be valuable. And um, before we would see this, that the timing of when you wanted your opponent to go first would occasionally pop up in a lane um and i imagine it's going to be uh it's going to be used a lot more and it will be a lot more obvious when when these cases will exist like say say in the current state of the game you would give your opponent initiative and force them to use annihilate on a lane and then you would have some plan that they would not have the chance to react to a mana six and so there's going to be this depth of of both when to have initiative and when to not have initiative. And yeah. both of these will actually become impactful. Another thing that this new philosophy of everything cost mana does is that you can't just delay the turn anymore. Because there used to be this kind of play where each player wanted to see what the other one wants to do before reacting to it. So they would do useless things such as using salves on fully healed units, uh, re-equip 
items just to keep passing the turn and be like, you swing first, you swing first, and I react. Mm -hmm. And now you can't really do that anymore because every action will cost mana. There's a limit to how many times you can delay with like low impact to no impact turn. Because it's they'll be... do it with. Or, Sorry, do you think ahead. things like Sanctum, do you think that's also going to like cost mana? Right, you mean the activation of improvement? Yeah, do you think that's. Because that's also an action. Most likely. It may not exist the same. Also, when they refer to Crystal Maiden in the Pulse, they just say her refresh. That mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that it's the same state it currently is. And it kind of made me think that maybe her ability will be Sanctum or something similar mm -hmm. to that. But Interesting. Just, it looks like they're changing her. I, I don't know. Yeah, I do um, like how they put little teases in there. In Runeterra, people took weeks before they would start passing on full mana back to back to the other person like one person would bluff that they didn't want to do anything and the other person would just be like okay i'm i'm content with this board state we'll pass and i think that is gonna become a thing in artifact where a weaker player maybe not a weaker player but somebody will try and bait their opponent into into using their action first and the other player will just decide nope my hand is not good right now we're just gonna go to the next turn and that has some interesting impacts because the more that happens the the stronger heroes with strong stats become this is going to yeah. be something that say red decks are going to use to bully blue decks where they're like hey you have to use your mana first and then i'm going to punish you for it once again like this uh enables so much counterplay that i'm really excited about let's move on to the new defaults this is like a really long like, this is a couple paragraphs long, but really everything they're trying to say is that they are reducing the amount of words on card descriptions by making certain rules the default. So they are removing phrases such as in this lane or... Um, until the end of this round, because those are now to be expected. And now card descriptions can be a little bit more compact and perhaps a little less confusing for new players. But they're also renaming certain things, right? Persistent effects are now called enchantments, for example. Anger, what is your opinion uh, on, like, reducing the wordiness of cards? Have you ever struggled with that, or...? I remember I thought it was funny when I first saw Time of Triumph. I thought it was really funny how many words there's on that card. Uh, but I, don't, yeah. I didn't really think it was a problem ever, like understanding the card. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But what I do take issue with a little bit is them calling persistent effects enchantments. I don't know. I feel like that's like too much in the MTG route like i don't know Ugh, i really don't like them using that word i wish they had used a different word i mean what were they even called before just persistent effects right did they have like their own name like what about cards like um the green four mana stun i caught unprepared like that just mm -hmm. lasts until is that considered a persistent effect is persistent until an item was equipped um or just no, like viper uh... strike yeah. yeah, something like Viper Strike or Treston Standard. <laughs> like things I that... really don't... I don't so like they're... that being called an enchantment. Yeah, I'm with you that I don't like them using the same word. Although, 
it's a word that people already understand and so maybe that simplifies it initially yeah. but i think they're just separating spells into persistent spells and not persistent spells which is yeah. initially when we started playing it was trying to figure out improvements from spells and now they're splitting spells again. I don't understand the purpose for this yet, but I think yeah. that will become apparent with time. When it says all permanent modifications are labeled as such, does that mean they're all labeled as enchantments or they're all labeled as permanent modifications? That is the problem, right? Like, there are still some things that it looks like it. Like, it says all permanent modifications are labeled as such. Yeah, I'm such thinking referring permanent. to which? They're referring to permanent modification. At least that's how I read it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, or just as... maybe just a permanent. What game is that from? What game uses permanent? Is that also MTG? There's yeah, another card game who uses permanence. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Valve, what are you doing? I mean, would you like a more original naming convention? What yes! would you call it? What would you call I it? I don't know. I'm not a fucking game dev, but I wouldn't <laughs> fucking I wouldn't mimic other games. Oh yeah, just call them forevers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, does it need a name? Like, like he was saying, does it even like? I never had an issue with them not naming them anything other than improvements like, and spells and creatures. It, it makes discussions easier. Yeah. Does it? it though? Makes, I've never it really makes, had an issue. It, it makes talking about the game easier. If you it? have, if it's already the same mechanic, and then you just give it a different name, is that making it any different? Like when we see other games that have something that's exactly the same, like um, like Last Word is the same as Death Rattle. Like they're exactly the same mechanic, so why why call it something else? Like sure, it's unique, but it doesn't it doesn't actually make right. it more interesting. So I'm. I'm torn on it. I I don't like them reusing the words, but also it makes some sense, I guess. It makes people yeah. able to focus on learning other aspects rather than... Exactly. Like, personally, I actually don't like it when card games have their unique names for the exact same mechanic. Like, when, I don't know, Death Rattle, Death Effect... Um... It's only an issue because... when you're first starting off playing, though. Like, once you've played five games, you learn it. Like, you know it. It's not gonna be an issue for a long time. But that was the yeah. problem, wasn't it? That people didn't get through the five games and nobody gave Artifact enough of a try to get to the point where they exactly an issue. Yeah, but I don't think the fact that they didn't call permanent permanents and enchantments enchantments, I don't think that was part of the reason why. Like, I never took issue with them not having a name for them. Maybe a little bit, like, improvements and being, like, you can put them in different lanes and whatever, but it had nothing to do with what they called them. Maybe they just it think actually... it's one aspect and they're trying to yeah. address each small thing that led to people not being overwhelmed with the game initially. Yeah, it is another accessibility point because this makes communication easier, it makes it easier to talk about the game, and it makes it easier for people coming from other games to come in now, because there's no learning required at all when they're just called chance. There's enough more interesting things that people can spend their energy learning about in Artifact. Yeah. This is yeah, not a hill to die on. Exactly. But that's just me. Speaking of hills to die on, uh, arrows now point forward. <laughs> Who cares? Next. No, and the, but, but, but for real, but for real, like arrows have absolutely dominated the conversations about artifact and RNG in the game, and now this it's like two sentences, and it's done. They solved the issues. We everything else is more relevant. There's not yeah. much to talk about. Yeah, 
But isn't I'm just saying, isn't that crazy that this is like a topic that people have been talking about ever since the game came out throughout the entirety of the long haul, and now like in this huge blog post of just new juicy stuff. It's just just like this small little two sentence point and then it's out of the way let's not never talk about arrows what else is there to talk about though simon what do you want to hear i'm just saying it's it's the end of an era that's all i'm saying next so keyword changes finally we're talking about armor uh Enga, do you perhaps want to talk about what armor does okay armor in the old game caused some issues Early in the development, we ended up doubling all stat values to compensate for how dramatic the impact of a single point of armor was. It also added a lot of math when you had multiple damage sources. Now each point of armor can block one point of damage and is refreshed at the beginning of the round. I don't know, yeah. I haven't really made up uh, an opinion yet about how I feel about it. It adds complexity, but at the same time, it also makes armor not as devastating, so I think I like it. I'm with you. I think the armor math was difficult for everybody even if you've got a fucking math degree like it got it got complicated and we all counted the math wrong when we were learning and still make armor issues problems occasionally and simplifying this is inclusive i guess we don't we don't mm -hmm. want the game to just be a big math problem because that yeah. will put everybody off that doesn't like math and the game is not about math that just happened to be a result of of how it was Cleave and Siege changing to be active all the time was the same. This is not intuitive, right? When, yeah. when we start, you think Siege, okay, I'm adding that much damage. And then you're like, oh, okay. And you have to, you have to learn by trial and error on both of the, on all three yeah. of these, how each one works. And now they're just intuitive and they're different and that will have impact and everything the balance around each of them will change, but it's simpler and straightforward. And so once all the balance yeah. is adjusted for it, it's just it's an obvious improvement. It was never fun that you had to have a unit blocking your unit for cleave and siege to do anything. Yeah. That was never a fun part of it. And when it comes to armor, like one of the big points of artifact is that they wanted to resolve certain math issues through the UI. Like, it would always show how much damage the next attack would do, and so on. But armor was like this exception where you had to do all the math in your head beforehand, and then you did it, and you're like, ah, crap, I was off. Now it doesn't do as much uh, damage as I thought, and the whole uh, turn is screwed. Makes it much easier for balancing as well. Yeah. It is interesting that now armor is, like, basically this extra pool of health that regenerates after combat. It's more like a shield. Mm -hmm. which makes it more intuitive because more people will make this connection in their heads. New players won't be dealing with that frustration. And I yeah. like that a lot. Do you think piercing damage will strip away armor too? Like Ignore it. I think it will ignore it. So, and so yeah, okay. if you did like a pierce combat, it would ignore it, but the armor would remain intact, I would imagine. And then say you used a spell, the spell would still mitigate the damage. Or the mm, sorry, yeah, armor would still mitigate the spell damage. Basically, mitigates the first whatever uh, amount of armor you have as damage from the first damage. Sword. Okay, but here comes the more interesting bit, which is a new keyword to artifact, and I actually haven't seen anything like at least the card games that I'm familiar with, which is feeble. And there's actually a little how do I put it? A little reference to it in the title of this blog post. 
which is what is the opposite of a mechanic? I think that's what they were teasing because feeble is basically the opposite of trample or overwhelm. But let's get into it. Kiwi, would you like to describe what feeble does and why it is interesting in artifact especially? Uh, when you enfeeble a unit, it becomes weak and so um, overkill damage or trample damage goes through and hits the tower. I think this is really interesting because it gives alternate ways of balancing where they can they still have the ability to just add trample into the game by saying blocker of x unit is enfeebled or is feeble um but also the fact that you have to use an ability to do it it gives it gives black some interesting tools well black yeah. for now um i i like it it's it's interesting it will be surprise damage we'll see yeah, Anga, any reactions to Feeble or perhaps Debbie? I mostly like it, but I kind of don't like that it's a spell that you use once and like, for example, in the example it's on a creep, like then you've used a spell and you're gonna hit the tower with the Enfeeble thing once and then that's it, you've used that spell, so. But maybe if it's used on a hero, it's different. And also it I says mean... deal 2 damage to a unit and give it Feeble. They mm -hmm. have said in this post that unless stated otherwise, it will only last for this round. So it's likely yeah. that it will only get Feeble this round. Like it doesn't, mm -hmm. it seems kind of weak to me if it's only one round. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it differently. It has nice um, synergy with the new Debbie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We might as well uh, get into Debbie, who is now a uh, black hero with a body of four attack and three health and has a new reactive ability which triggers after combat. If Debbie the Cunning dealt damage to a tower, give the tower minus one armor and give Debbie plus one armor permanently. So Debbie might get tankier throughout the game if you allow her to hit towers again and again, which no accident now enables. Because now she doesn't need to hit the tower directly. It's enough if you enfeeble a unit. Now you deal damage to the tower. The tower gets weaker by getting one armor removed or you know minus one armor, and she gets plus one armor. I think the the tower getting minus one armor is a lot more impactful than her gaining armor. Mm, um, yeah. Like think how strong Mazzy's improvement is giving a tower armor, um, especially mm. when creeps all have one attack that's damaging, that's doubling the damage that a creep will do to a tower. But do you think if if four creeps are attacking a tower with either one armor or one negative armor, will one creep strip away the armor? and then the rest will hit normally, or will it be one instance right. of damage when all of them attack at the same time? I think it will be one instance of damage, and then Debbie will lower the armor for next turn. Yeah, but I mean, when the, when the creeps attack the tower with our, either armor or negative armor, will all of them uh, attack with one one less or one extra attack, or will only one of them do, and then oh, it's no, stripped off for the because armor is different. Yeah. Yeah, is negative armor different the same way? Because, but another little tidbit is that it does say permanently. No, but right? Edgar makes a good point. If three creeps yeah. are hitting the tower and the tower has minus one armor, the three creeps are going to do four damage. They're not going to do six damage. The tower is only going to block one damage per turn, or it's going to block negative one damage per turn. It's interesting. Uh, like, that's a lot weaker than I thought. If it works like that, yeah. It's hard to tell. Oh no. 
already. <laughs> yeah, there this we go. Easier. Volvo, please. What have you done? They do mention that they want to do similar things to other basic heroes as well, by the way. Like they're saying that this is just one way that they want to make, that they want to remake basic heroes, which I assume will play the same role as they did when it comes to draft. I'm actually more interested to see the other reworks than Debbie, because Debbie was already interesting, but the other basic heroes are so boring. Like, she's literally the most interesting of all of them. Especially with Pavan's uh, ability just being a weaker triant. Yeah, and Keith just being a big, strong boy with the spell that makes him even bigger and stronger. What a hunk. Didn't it say somewhere in this post about how the, the new hero changes that we've been seeing are possibly um some of the more unique ones because they specifically said that mobility is not going to be as huge of a thing like it sounds like they were showing us the more mobile heroes or the cross lane okay mm -hmm. sorry the the cross lane abilities of did they say that mobility would have less of a role or more well we were expecting it would have okay here it says under mana it says some cards and abilities are cross lane but in general they only affect the lane yeah. that they're being cast from. So I think like Marana and Timbersaw are not the norm, but are more um, standout heroes that are somewhat unique in their cross lane ability. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were more abilities to uh, help heroes get across a lane. And besides, we don't know what the bazaar might hold. You can That's buy if, if you could buy teleport scrolls in the middle of a turn and then use that teleport scroll. Uh, There's still some big question marks which may still have big impact on the game and how it is played. When I say, uh, are there any open questions? Oh, this blog post gave us everything. It didn't. It just gave us all the things we want, like most of the things we wanted to know. But once again, just opened up more new, exciting questions. And now we actually get to the all the things that... Um, outside of the actual game. So let's talk about card unlocks. Anger, what was your reaction to this? Like, finally, like, we already know there's going to be no paying for cards at all, right? And now they are actually enlightening us about how we will receive cards. Is this something that you like or dislike? Because we all know that you're, like, specific opinions when it comes to, like, battle passes and unlocks I just think they should go the Dota route and just make everything available straight up. I don't understand why not. Yes, it can be a bit overwhelming for new players, but I think it solves more things to just have everything available from the start. I don't understand mm. why, why you would need to unlock them and stuff. But progress, progression, mm. anger. They already have a campaign we, we... for that. Like, I don't understand. They don't need that for playing Constructed too. Because even if you will be, be put against similar people, if, if the difference was Thunderstorm and Annihilation right now, like what card people unlock, like that's such a big difference. Why not just have everything available straight up? I think if everything's available right away, people don't learn. Or have a special game mode for new players where they do have not everything unlocked, like limited hero pool or whatever, which is in Dota. Why, why think, not have it so that those who want to... I think that's what it's saying. It says... Yeah, hero draft. It says oh, really? you have the option to jump right in for competitive players. Um, oh, oh, I think this is all set up so that there's a learning progression. You can see see the strengths of cards with game plans surrounding them and 
Like, I don't think this is going to be... I think there's going to be separate progressions of playing the game a long time and having deep progression and stats, and there will also be this introduction to the game. Like, mm -hmm. it, it seems fairly obvious that they, they're looking to cater to a, a fresh audience. They want the game to be approachable, and this is how they're planning to do it, is that they walk you yeah. through tutorials and give you cards where you can't be matched up against experienced people that have played the game a lot. And so nobody yeah. will have this getting stomped experience that is, you know, really putting people off the um, game. They're already saying that matchmaking will take into account how many cards you own. You will be matched up with people with a uh, similar size of card pool. And then they are actually getting into hero draft, which is something that I mentioned before. Hero draft even pulls from the combined set of cards that you and your opponent have unlocked to keep things extra fair. This is a kind of draft mode where you both have access to the cards that both of you have. So you can try and build the strongest deck you are able to craft from your combined card pool. I expect these changes won't impact us within a week, Anger. I think yeah. we'll have unlocked the whole collection or whatever we want to be able to do within a week. This won't be relevant to us. The only way it'll be relevant to us is that we'll have more people in our community and people will be more enthusiastic about the game. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they even go into this, there will also be the option to jump right into scrimmages and custom tournaments. These will let players set rules or allow any card sets they see fit. So there's actually a mode that you can jump into these scrimmages where the cards are just unlocked. So all players... Well, it doesn't say that all the cards are unlocked, it just allows a certain set. Allows, it doesn't yeah. say anything about having all the cards available. Exactly. Advanced I... players can jump into playing these immediately. They're, they're catering to both of their audiences, and yeah, that's really nice. The, all of these changes, I understand that a lot of these changes don't appeal to you or to us, Anger, but like this is what will keep new players... This is really important. People who are still learning, not just Artifact, but card games in general, who want to get the feeling of unlocking cards, progressing, and you know, getting ready to join rank. They don't want to be presented with like the entire set and be like, okay, enjoy, construct something. You can do it. Jump in. Oh, that guy uh, is way better than you and knows how to build a deck and you don't. It's also like if, say, you're away for the month the artifact gets released, you can still come join the game after and not have just missed the boat. Or, or if people have different amounts of time and can only play two hours a week or something, they don't know what people's lives are like, then those people will still have the same opportunity to learn the game and have fun with it and get into the game. And that will open up from a spectator's standpoint as well, where people have the ability to get into the game later on. Yeah. yeah. And this doesn't affect draft at all. This is all about constructed and learning construct. Right. Like this, this new hero draft mode, that's what they said in the... Uh, in one of the previous blog posts, they consider Hero Draft to be a help of people to learn Constructed, because now they have the combined card pool of themselves and the other player, and now they're supposed to craft the deck. Have any of these posts mentioned Draft at all? Like Not draft? draft, no. So you. there's some chance that Draft is, well, Draft will probably change from how we know it because card packs are going to be changing, and so Draft will follow a different format if it exists, or some other yeah. sort of game mode will replace it. I hope that that is the next blog post, because like they've really gone into Constructed this time, and like the 
way into the game. Like this is the new player experience, right? This is tutorial. This is tutorializing the first hours of play with artifacts. Yeah. They can bring people into the lore through this as well, because part mm -hmm. of the, the learning experience can be through campaign and through getting to know the characters and fighting specific battles or like defending against wolves or, you know. Yeah, the campaign stuff. looks really cool. Okay, let's just jump ahead and talk about the single player campaign, which was like the biggest surprise to me in this blog post. And I'm so hyped for it. Finally, Valve is going to do another narrative with one of their games. And they're actually saying that this will play after the story of Artifact 1.0. This is something that we were talking about in one of our last episodes. Like, are they going to do like just a retelling of the first set? Are they going to actually progress the story? Now we know they will progress the story. And there's going to be an actual single-player campaign. Telling Dota stories. Oh, hell good. yeah. Good. exclusive content and they are tying this into their progression system once again because they say they we want people to feel rewarded no matter which way they choose to play the game which already implies that you should be able to unlock the entire set if not most of the set just by playing the campaign or am i interpreting too much into this I kind of get the feeling that the site is going to be pretty easy to get to. I think it's just the initial time input. Exactly. I'm just so hyped for this. It's cool because it will bring in all of the campaign type players as well. Like StarCraft had this whole community of people that just buy the game to play the campaign. That kind of blows my mind because that's not how I've ever played games. But um, this is this community of people that exist. Oh man, I'm just here for it. I'm just here for it. Oh man, that just means they're getting all the voice actors back, right? Yes. Got, there's going to be more unique story-related banter. Dude, I hope there's going to be like at least a cutscene or two, like at the beginning, at the end, please. When is the next please, comic well. coming? Does this mean we're going to have another too. comic soon? Yeah, I mean, they're saying that this is like their way of expanding on what they've been doing with the comics. If you guys haven't read the comics, uh, Rashid read through them this week, and it was great. I really oh, he did it live? Yeah, but everybody else. Oh really? It. Really? Yeah, but oh, it isn't important. That's not the point. The point here is that the comics are good, and you should go back and read through them. Exactly. Like I, a lot of people got really into these new characters, especially like Solar Khan and Rix. Like a lot of people are wanting those to become heroes in Dota. Rix is such a Chad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, everyone is just lusting for their furry daddy. Moving on. So you cut out at the end there. That, that is okay. <laughs> that is for the best, trust me. Okay, let's move on to the uh, quality of life changes. Once again, something that people have really been craving to hear more about. Social play and rank play, they're going to flesh out the profiles. We will be able to check out our stats and replays. Finally. Right? I'm not sure if people understand how important replays are. Like, I'm not sure I understand how important replays are, but what they do <laughs> is they, they enable you to... Like, everybody has different learning styles, right? And if you can go back and you can watch your own matches, and instead of just being angry about why did I lose, you can, you know, take a deep breath, go have a watch your replay, and it's so different when you're not in it and you don't have the pressure of that. Um... Being able to to see where your errors are or being able to upload your replay and 
ask a friend, hey, can you have a look through this? What went on here? Helps build community and helps build people that are passionate. Like, even if you don't have innate card game skills or experience, you have, this is another way that you can have the ability to be a strong player just through persistence and I'm really excited for replays. Replays change everything about how the community talks about a game and how content creation and learning is done. Through replays, you can analyze your own play, other people's play, and people can make all of those amazing fails and uh, success videos and montages for YouTube. All of that content creation becomes massively easier without having to, like, live off of other people's streams and their content. It also gives the ability for competitive players to see their opponent's playstyles before playing them. So even if there's yeah. people from across time zones and countries, when they get deep into it, can look yeah. at how people like to play the game. And this goes even further because it's not just replays, they're also um, adding chat history. Before we didn't really have a proper chat, we only had custom messages. Like, they definitely didn't want people uh, saying naughty things all the time. They wanted to give people tools to block other people from talking to them. But it seems that now there's at least going to be more of those who do want to engage with each other socially through the game. Anger, are you looking forward to some uh, banter online through chat? Yeah, that's actually something I was really sad that in Underlords they never include a chat. Not that I necessarily want to talk shit to people, but it's nice to just be able to sometimes communicate to people. And I think it's it's really nice the way it is an artifact. Of course, sometimes people are a little bit salty and it can be annoying when, when people like complain to you and vent to you. But I still mm -hmm. think it's nice just being able to communicate with who you're playing. Yeah, they won't be angry about arrows anymore, at least. <laughs> and this is actually something funny. They're talking about the uh, translation of hero names, which is something that especially the Russian part of our community has been uh, complaining about. Like, they actually translate people's names into, like, Russian words, which weren't really names, apparently. Like, there's a lot of awkward stuff going on for non-English speakers. Man, this is just... This post just had so many meaty things. And there's a lot of small details as well. For example, uh, the picture that they have for this blog post, for this mechanics blog post, shows Debbie with her little wrench weapon standing victoriously on top of one of Mazzy's iron golem, like one of his death robots, I standing at the very top. It's that card that, that would like sacrifice... Is that like the six mana card? The yeah, the one that card? would sacrifice your whole hand. Mm -hmm. Keenfoot golem. That's a keenfoot yes. golem? Ah. It is. That makes sense. And I suppose she threw a wrench into that plant. Uh, sorry. Um, the one section we missed discussing was progression. I'm so excited for that. They discuss uh, using a similar design um, as the Underlord's rank system for competitive play. I imagine mm -hmm. this is referring more to the progression up to the top league rather than the top league specifically, which could do with some work. But it, like feels like you have goals all the time and there's like platforms where you can't drop down below a main rank and so mm -hmm. that's nice that there's the freedom without too much ladder anxiety to to progress um mm -hmm. and then an actual rank system at the top either of mmr or um with actual numbers of what your rank is and this is also really nice 
I also find it funny how they're rent, uh, referencing underlords here without any contact, because usually a company would like be underlords is our auto battler uh, product, blah, blah, blah. But they just assume that everyone who reads this knows what underlords is. Um, they also talk about tying in the competitive systems with the tournament system, which yeah. is amazing because very much felt like a time sink sometimes where people that mm. had, say, a thousand games playing in the custom leagues that were really well there end up having a lower portrait rank and such and so yeah. you can't tell there's nothing to show for the playing the tournaments all the time and playing in a more competitive it yeah. kind of disincentivized playing the more competitive formats like there's going to be some tournament kings basically who usually stay away from the ladder so i mm -hmm. assume that they will get like this separate rank that they can climb the separate leaderboard hopefully i'm really impressed with how the posts are addressing the needs of everybody um, yeah it's very well defined and for sure clearly like, well researched even addressing that they're gonna keep the original game available for everybody is it's almost comical because there's so yeah few people that play and will be even less and yet they still address those people and are like hey we're, this is available for you like every the things that everybody wants are available they have new player build up they have the extreme top end of competitive players which is also a small a small community i think they're doing it really well i've been quite impressed i mean i liked all of it and i like that they they give us so much now every monday i don't know if there's like one specific thing i really like i just like the fact that they're like not being secretive like it's even weird that i would assume they would be secretive about it because when you really think about it there's really no reason to be like this is how they should have been communicating the entire time so right. it's just nice to see that they're doing that they do talk about feedback one more time how much there has been and i think this post makes it really clear that they were very diligent in their analysis of that feedback because they so clearly know who they're talking to, if you know what I mean. Like, they are really trying to serve every kind of player in this blog post. Like, the ones that prefer tournaments, the ones that wanted ladders, the ones that are looking for a better tutorial, even law nerds, like, everyone's getting theirs. Because this post is so big, do you think that's indicating that the beta is closer than we might have imagined? Like, before oh. it felt like they might be doing just a small tidbit every week, but this feels a lot more robust. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, that's true. It really feels like uh, it's coming. I feel like I have a picture of the game now, and I can I can feel about things a little bit better than before. Yeah. Before it was very foreign and alien, and now it's looked a lot closer. Get that tabletop going again. That tabletop simulator. Mm -hmm. That's for nerds. Yeah. <laughs> just teasing us teasing us just waiting for just waiting for the climax of all of this a tabletop sim we would spend like two hours on one game just, <laughs> oh my god it would five rounds would literally take half an hour yeah <laughs> it's insane like we were crazy <laughs> meanwhile other peoples are printing out cards actually doing it on their table those were the days kind of sad i never got into that <laughs> You didn't yeah. so much. Probably <laughs> better so you didn't. Tedious. Probably better you didn't. It was a weird time. Still a weird time. Yeah, still a weird time. Just 2.0. Is there anything else you guys wanted to say about the blog post? My favorite one yet. 
the early ones were important with the communication, but um, mm. this one was great. My personal favorite was, of course, the reveal of the single player. As I said, I'm totally here for it. I always am concerned about progression stuff. That's something yeah. that's important for me. And Valve sometimes doesn't like to put it in their games initially. Mm. It's been a theme, so that's really nice for me to see. I really like seeing the stuff about not just the campaign, but the introduction to the game and mm -hmm. things they're making so it's more accessible um, and approachable. Yeah. That stuff, it's, uh, it looks a little odd, but I think that is going to make huge impacts in the long-term success of our game. Any more comments before we put our foot out the door, Anger? <laughs> no, I think I'm good. Okay. In that case, thank you all for listening to our little double feature once again. We've had some issues this week, but next week we should be able to record to the usual time and uh, are back to our usual quality. So if you guys want to send us a question, you can contact us on Twitter at secretshopgg, or you can email us mail at secretshop.gg. We're just available on all the big uh, podcast apps and we're on YouTube. Where can people find you, Anger, and your content? Uh, you can find my content on youtube.com slash angermania. I haven't been uploading much lately, but I hope to get back in it soon. And where can people find your content, Kiwi? I'm on Twitch slash Kiwi underscore streaming. More content, more artifact in the near future. Awesome. Would you guys like to mention your Twitter servers as well? Mine's the uh, same. Angermania with a P at the end. Nice. And I'm at Simon90. That's C-Y-M-E-N 90. All right, then. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a joy. We'll see you next week. Bye. Peace. Thank you. Thank you for your business. Come again!